to Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church, a place for all nations. To learn more about Commitment, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org. Like us on Facebook and download our mobile app. Now, let's enjoy today's message. So we're continuing a series I've entitled for you, Forgive, Choosing to Let It Go. Now, I specifically have titled it, 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 Let It Go. It's because it, it drills down specifically, right? Because typically, I don't know about you, but there's the, the apprehension of really kind of going deep as it relates to what we need to forgive others for or need to be forgiven of. And we kind of skim over it. In other words, if we offend someone, we may say, hey, you know, I'm sorry. Or, we, or if, we're, if we're religious, we say, please forgive me. But many times we won't go down to the root of the reason why I offended you or why I'm offended. So my hope is as we, we uncover what God says about forgiveness is that we are honest before God and willing to really drill down into the crevices of our hearts to a deal with this very, very difficult subject that all mankind, listen, has to deal with because if we don't deal with it, it's just going to creep into generation after generation after generation and corrupt generation after generation after generation. And even children yet unborn will be infected by that seed of unforgiveness that many times we carry around with us knowingly or unbeknownstly to us. Now, Oxford Dictionary defines for, for the word forgive as this. Stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. Stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone based upon an offense, a flaw, or mistake. Now, I won't put anyone on the spot, but if you can raise your hands on the inside of your heart and inside of your mind, how many flaws do you have? Okay. Right. So here, so think about that. I have these collection of flaws over my lifetime and everyone around me has a collection of fall, fall, flaws and offenses and mistakes over a lifetime. But something inherently, something inherently causes me to inevitably be so offended that I don't want to let that flaw go. I don't want to let that failure, that mistake, that offense go. So hopefully in this series, I want to accomplish two things. Ultimately, is that we will have the, the courage, we have the courage to forgive anyone who has hurt me, anyone that has hurt us. That's the first thing. But then secondly, have the courage to let it go. Anyone that has hurt me, I will deal with it, but then I will also have the courage to do what? Let it go once and for all to absolutely let it go once and for all. Remember last week we journeyed through, last couple of weeks we journeyed through the life of Joseph. You've had family members offend you, throw you in a pit, family members that ultimately uh, cause offense to you, sell you into slavery, and then ultimately God says this to you, I want you to name one of your sons, God has caused me to forget. That every single time you call your son's name, you're reminded that God is what? Caused you to do what? Let it go, to forget. Manasseh, every time he calls his name, God has called me to do what? Forget. That every time you call Johnny's name, Mary's name, it, Mary means what? God has caused me to forget. So God ultimately wants us to all get to a place that, 
that we can have it right in our face. We can have that offense right in our face, but we can always understand that he has empowered us and he has caused us to forget. So today what we're going to continue in is this. We're going to continue in, in understanding that I forgive because I have been forgiven. I forgive because what? I have been what? Forgiven. Now, again, take a quick survey in your heart and mind right now. This week, how many times have God forgiven you? How many times have God said, okay, you get a pass? How many times has God says, no harm, no foul? How many times God has said to you and me, I'll let it go, I'll let it go? But again, something simply inherently within us is if you offend me, chances are I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to let you off the hook that easily. So hopefully what we can do today is get to a point that we understand that, you know what? God, since you've forgiven me this way, I need to courageously do what? Forgive others the same way that you have done what? Forgiving me. Since you let it go, for me, God, give me the strength and the courage to do what? Let it go for others. So if you can't turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35 would be the verses that we're in. And as you turn in there, here's the context of, of this passage or the book of Matthew. Matthew is one of the gospels of Jesus Christ that simply tells about Christ's coming, his, 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 life, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, in this, uh, you have at the very beginning of Matthew, you have something called what's the genealogy of Jesus Christ. In the genealogy of Jesus Christ, you have him talking about that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ is the son of David. He's also the son of Abraham. And the reason why he's beginning to address this right away is because he's writing to the audience of Jews who are now following the teachings of Jesus Christ, and he needs to hammer home what some kingdom principles are uh, here on the earth or in, in our context in heaven because that's the way they could relate. They were waiting for the Messiah and this Messiah could only come through the lineage of, of David, the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and King David. David's lineage is so, so powerfully uh, respected in the Jewish community that if you read the, the Old Testament and you read the Psalms and Proverbs and, and you read uh, Samuel and First and Second Samuel, you read Chronicles, you read First um, and Second Kings, you hear this statement going, uh, repeating uh, ongoingly in these books. Because of my son David. Think about that. Because of my son David, I forgive you. Over and over again, you hear that because of the character, the relationship that David had with God, okay, he wasn't a perfect man, but he perfectly pursued God with all of his heart. Because of David, you won't have this consequence. That's the influence of King David. That's the influence of the coming of the Messiah. So as you're reading this, this passage of scriptures, understand the context. The context is, is kingdom related. Now, again, the Jews and those who were there in that, that area, they were assuming that this kingdom was, was, going to become, was going to come and be set up on the earth. 
But Jesus is saying, no, 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 there's a kingdom that is greater that's going, that, is, that you are anticipating that is not of this world. So think about this. And the reason why I'm pausing here to, to explain this to you is because forgiveness is more than just an action. It's a kingdom principle. Let me firm it up for you a little bit further. One source says this about the kingdom of God uh, in Matthew. The words kingdom of God is mentioned four times in the gospel. He mentions the kingdom of heaven 33 times. The term kingdom itself is used 17 times. So that is 54 times there's reference to the kingdom that is not of this world. And interesting enough, as we read uh, this, this, this portion of scripture about forgiveness, is that it is directly connected to the kingdom of heaven. And now I beseech you with this is that the challenge with forgiveness is this, is that it is not an earthly act. It is too difficult to do in your own strength. It is too difficult to do, especially when it's right in your face on a daily basis. Therefore, you have to come to a place that you understand, no, this, this act of forgiveness, this responsibility of forgiveness is not of this world. That's why you look at the Lord's prayer. It talks about forgive this debt as we forgive our, our debtors. But prior to that, it says, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as is what? As it is in heaven. So the only way that you can humanly possibly let stuff go on earth is that you must first be connected where? To heaven. So that's why there's two things to underscore when it comes to forgiveness is that there's two pathways to really get into a point in your heart and in your mind that you resolve to forgive all the time is that you need to understand and we need to understand is that the only way you can achieve this is both by, number one, that there's a, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. In other words, I was dead in my transgressions. I was on my way to hell, and someone reached down and supernaturally saved me and forgave me of my sins. And if he has done that for me, I should do it for someone else. But the second reality outside of the spiritual understanding is that there's this experiential understanding. In other words, if I can count literally the number of times I felt God, I felt mankind. If I kept tally just on my failures. So my experience says this, is that when I felt my wife, she has forgiven me. My experience says, when I, have, when I have felt my children, they have forgiven me. My experience says, when I failed to perform on my job, my employer has forgiven me. You follow me? My experience shows me these things that other people have forgiven me, but ultimately my, my experience shows me how many times have I failed God? 
And time and time and time again, God does what? Forgive me. So, so this passageway to this, this, this kingdom principle, you have to really wrap it around your head to say, you know what, God? Dang, if the only thing you forgive me of is my, my sin nature that ultimately hinders me from entering in your presence and living with a perfect God for all eternity, if that is good enough that you've forgiven me, what more can I do with the faults of others towards the faults of others? And matter of fact, God, if you kept score of every failure in my life that you let go. If I kept score of every failure that, I, that I've made towards mankind. Does it make sense? So su- super important that we understand this context as it relates to this, this kingdom principle because I think that's why it's so hard because we try to do it based upon this earthly plane, based upon this earthly perspective. And we run into, we're going to learn, we run into that mountain over and over and over and over again. And if it's it's too high for me to get over, it's too wide for me to get around. And then it ultimately captivates me. It puts me in bondage. Then it puts my children in bondage. Then it puts my children's children in bondage then it affects generation after generation after generation. Matthew chapter 18, beginning verse 21, it says this. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? I mean, that's just like us, right? Okay, God, can you tell me how many times? Then, You know, if I get to number, I'll be good, right? It says up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you, up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven, hear that, may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Verse 25, but since he had not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and his children and all of his land and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him, (laughs) saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground. Similarity, right? And began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me, and I will repay you. Verse 30, but he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. That had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt Because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed to him. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. 
Now, there's about four things I'd like to remind you of found in these scriptures. The first two I'll give you this week, and then uh, the, the final two I'll give you next week. Here's the first two points. The first is found in verse 21 and 22. We must get to a point before anything budges at all in our lives that we come to a place that we are willing to forgive for a lifetime. Let me drill down further. This is what Peter figured. Okay, God, uh, seven times is enough. What Peter was really saying was this. Okay, God, I will forgive seven times over my lifetime. And you know how the way we act? This is how we act. Well, you know, because my dad hurt me, I get married, and then I don't forgive my husband. I don't forgive my dad. That's my first forgiveness. And then I get married, then I won't forgive my husband because he looks like dad, feels like dad, smells like dad, acts like dad. Right? He has characteristics of dad, or maybe he doesn't, but something he did in a moment reminds you of dad. Then it's like strike one, strike two, strike three, strike four. Or maybe this. Well, you know, um, I'm a mother, and um, um, I, I was like really rambunctious and really disobedient with my mom. I get married, and now my kids reciprocate to me, but I forget how bad I was with my mom. And we have this, this unique way of thinking, like, okay, well, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, but because you are acting like one and two, Okay, I can't forgive you. So we kind of like tally up like this. Okay, well, uh, uh, that's one, that's two, that's three, that's four, that's five, that's six, and that's seven. I'm done. Or if we're real spiritual, we say, okay, seven times. And, and okay, well, God, uh, let's say I live to about 70 years old. So that means, okay, for, for every... 10 years, I can forgive seven times. And we have this, this rhythm within us to calculate. How do I know that? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, don't keep an account. Love doesn't keep an account, an account. It doesn't tally every wrong against me. Scripture, what Scripture tells me, that's what we do. We keep an account that if you wrong me, I won't, even, I won't even stop at you and say, you get seven times. I would say, because you did what he did and she did, and you all fit the category of, I'm not going let to let it go with you. But it's interesting how Jesus rebuttals Peter. But let me, before I get to that, this is, some would think that Peter was thinking and referencing the book of Proverbs. Why? Because Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16 says this, for a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumbles in time of calamity. In other words, after the seventh time, 
you should have gotten it. Well, you know, some of us may say after the fifth time or after the third time, you should, you should get that. Whatever, whatever the time limit is, and here we're going to get deeper about this number seven and 70 times seven. But here you find Peter, even maybe you can say, we can assume that he's pulling some theological, some biblical reference, right? And say, well, wait a minute, Jesus, you know, you know in Proverbs, you know, the author was expressing wisdom and saying, you know, uh, a wise man falls seven times, so he should come to his senses at least after the seventh time, right? But how many of us today are number eight or nine or 10 or 11 or 12 or 14 ourselves, right? But Jesus then says this, no, no, you got to forgive 70 times seven. Now, so if you're a quick mathematician, that's what? 490, right? So 490 times, think about that. Okay, uh, well, God, if I review my life, I'm probably about on 489, <laughs> right? I mean, let's, if we all are honest with ourselves, if we all retroactive, our stuff, right? Take it back to elementary school, grade school, where we took, stole the candy out of the cookie, you know, out of the candy jar or whatever, and, you know, took the grape off of the, you know. <laughs> right? Open the package before you should have, before you purchased it, right? All those little things that we've done, if you accumulate all those, we weigh beyond 490. All of us, individually. <laughs> So is that what Jesus really saying? No, I don't think he's really saying that. This is what I really believe Jesus is saying. Psalm 90, verse 10. I believe Jesus is also referencing the Old Testament passage. As for the days of your life, they contain 70 years or of due to strength 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow for soon is it is gone and we fly away. So here's the deal. I believe what Jesus was saying was this. It's not 70 years one time, but it's 70 years seven times. It's seven lifetimes. What you can then look at that from a biblical, spiritual, kingdom of heaven principle is for eternity. So if you want to use math, you say, okay, seven times 70 equals seven lifetimes, and chances are I only get one lifetime, be it 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, I will never reach the capacity of seven lifetimes. So what Jesus is really saying is, no, Peter, get this. This is something that is beyond this world. You're looking at it from human eyes. You're looking at it from this relational standpoint with man. But I'm trying to tell you, Peter, that no, this forgiveness thing goes beyond this world. 
goes way beyond this world. And forgiveness is, cannot be calculated in one lifetime. It's eternal. Jesus commands us to forgive over 70 lifetimes. And he only gives each one of us one lifetime. Over seven lifetimes. He only gives us one. Again, how many times has he forgiven us? It starts with this desire to forgive. It starts with this motivation to give, to forgive over a lifetime. But then our second point we find in verses 23 to 27, we must then come to a point that we forgive like we have been. That we forgive like we have been forgiven. And let's go deeper here. Verse 25, it says, he did not have the means to pay. In other words, this slave with this slave owner just did not have the means to repay his debt. In other words, listen, when we sin against God, we do not have the capacity to pay off the debt. We don't. No matter how small the sin is, sin separates us from God. We don't have the capacity to reconcile ourselves back to God. We can't do enough, say enough, give enough, be enough to reconcile the debt. And I believe that's why it's so wise of God in the Lord's prayer that he says, forgive us this debt as we forgive our debtors. You know why? It's because something inherently in us hangs the debt over us. We're like many debt collectors. And we bully people. We like, we like bully people with our debt. It's almost like this. It's like, okay, once I know you did me wrong, now you got to jump through all these debt hoops. It's like, I'm going to make sure you get how I felt. Right? It's kind of like, you know, when that, when that young lady meets her dad who abandoned her, she never met, he comes into our lives, and then, and then he has to go through hell and high water to reconcile. It's like when that, that maybe that husband didn't love the wife as Christ loved the church or that wife didn't respect the, the husband as unto the Lord or that young man or young woman grows up and trying to find their way, you know, and, and they don't quite get how to honor their father and their mother. And then when they start getting it, mom and dad makes the child run through all kinds of hoops to reconcile with, with themselves. Well, I'm going to show you what you did wrong. And we just have that sin nature in us that, that wants to make people feel it. And it's really, it's really trying to play God. And again, what happens is if we don't reconcile it in that relationship, then it bleeds over and leaks over to every other relationship. Listen, here's the deal. Divorce happens. But if you don't get it right before the second marriage, statistics shows that if you don't get the first one right, 
The second one has a double amount of, of, of opportunity to go wrong again. I mean, so you can go to friend to friend to friend to friend. You go to marriage to marriage to... If you don't get friendship right, if no one wants to play with you in your sandbox, okay? If you don't get friendship right or if you lose friends all the time, you have to stop and say, man, what is going on? God, help me reconcile. I humbly believe is that friendships and the kingdom should grow, not shrink. And you see that so many times in the kingdom of God. You see that so many times in family. Family shrinks. Someone gets married, and then it's like, okay, the family's supposed to grow, not shrink. Well, because I don't like the in-laws, and in-laws like don't, don't like me. And then the family shrinks. You know, in the body of Christ, forgiveness is not, is not tangibly evident, and then begins to happen is the body shrinks versus grow. It's because we just hold that debt over people's heads. And if we don't reconcile it with that first person, it goes over to the second, it goes over to the third, it goes over to the fourth, it goes into the fifth, and it'll go into your children and your children and your children's children and your children's children until someone says, not in my house. Someone has to say, ask for me in my house. So many of us can say, well, you know, because, you know, you know well, they did that to me. Well, they were the adults, and they should have known. True, true, true. But here's the challenge with debt. You can't go back in time. Literally, you can't go back in time, physically. You follow me? You can't go back to your husband and say, don't do that to me. You can't go back to your wife and, and say, well, can you back that up and rewind that and don't say that to me, right? And so many times we, we live in this virtual world and, and we're trying to cause people to go back in time. And, and you know, follow me? It's like you got to pay what you did to me prior to rather than viewing it through the cross. And the cross says, pay. The cross says, forgiven. The cross says, move on. The cross says, there's no more debt. The cross says, it's not even your burden to carry. But then again, you look at, you look at verse 26. The slave went to the slave owner and says, have patience with me. How slow we are, right, to exercise patience for everyone else. But yet we, we desperately need the patience of God and the patience of others. 
And then verse 27, this is, this is a deal breaker here. It says, the, uh, it says, the Lord of the slave felt compassion. Felt compassion. And there's times we can feel compassion, right? But we'll still say, nah, 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 nah. You got to feel a little bit longer, a little bit longer. You got to, you know, do you realize you put me through 20 years of hell and you just want to get out of it in 20 months? Right? Let's be real. <laughs> we, all, we all play those little cat mouse games. Like, okay, yeah, I know what you did. You know what you did to me. You just acted like nothing happened, Right? I'm just going to help you feel it for a little while. We may not say it, but deep down on the inside, we're like, oh, yes. And that's even this sweet and docile person, you know, ladies. Oh, no, 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 see. <laughs> but on the, in, on the inside, it's like, on the inside, you're like, you're going to feel it. <laughs> you know, you're going to feel it. <laughs> because that's just, that's just the way we all are. We all, we're just that way. We're just... Inherently, we're sinful people. We all are. Myself, and, and when I say all, me too. There's always that undercurrent that says, okay, you, you can't just get off the hook that quick. All of us have that little, you know, voice in our head and our heart that says, no, you can't get off that quick. No, you just can't get, you know, wait a minute. I, ask for, I, I forgive you quicker than you forgive me. Right? <laughs> right? You hear that all the time. Marriages, right? Wait a minute. You know, you do something wrong with me, I just let it go. But then you hold on to it for months. And then, we, you know, you play all these, you know. And we don't, you know, we feel that, that, that we have that compassion. But again, what you find in verse 27, he released them. He released them. You know, think about that. Just please think about that for a minute. Is that here, here's this person who's indebted to this other person. He says... It's no more. And to me, I believe, you know, there's something, there's something um, that we must be able to, remember I talked about, we have to get it through that spiritual experience that I know that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and he rescued me. And I believe when a person doesn't realize how bad they were, we have the tendency to look at people comparatively speaking. That I'm not a bad guy, so there's something wrong with you. Versus no, inherently, I'm a really bad guy. Especially if I can get my way all the time. I'm inherently selfish, self-centered, and want things my way. And it's super important that we, we understand that individually, which then causes the cross to be magnified and the mercy of God to be so magnified in my life that when I run into people with faults and issues, there's the, there's the history, right, and, and the similarity that says, oh, really what they did to me is quite like who I really am. Or who I really will be if I can get away with it. 
And that's why Jesus says, you say you should not commit murder. I say, if you say you hate your brother, you've committed murder. You say you should not commit adultery. But I say, if you look on that woman or man, desire them in your heart, you've committed adultery. And I believe what Jesus was showing everyone was neutralizing the platform. That everybody, if given the opportunity, would do the same thing. Everybody, if they did not have self-restraint, would do the same thing as everybody. Because you know as well as I do, if you're honest, that there are things that you wanted to do on the inside, but you didn't act on. There's things we thought of on the inside, but we didn't act on. I can't tell you how many people I've murdered <laughs> on the inside. Right? You may call me holy, but God may call me a serial killer. You, you follow what I'm saying? You, you know, I mean, it's just... If we're honest with God, if we really could peel back the veil, and, and, and to me, that's, that's the posture of forgiveness. That's the, that's the first step towards forgiveness and saying, okay, God, you know, at the end of the day, what they did is not too far from what I have done and what I will probably do given the opportunity to do it. So, okay, let me show some grace. Let me show some grace. Because I would probably do the same thing in the same situation or given the opportunity to do it. So let me show some grace rather than, you know, again, dangling over the person's head and then causing them to uh, do and be things that they shouldn't have to do. Therefore, me trying to be God to them. And it's not fair. And that's why we look at Psalm 103, which is to me one of the most magnificent passages of scriptures to help us, I believe, get this. Psalm 103, 8 to 12 says this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Now understand what he's saying there in verse nine. He won't strive with us. In other words, he's God, we're not. He's all-powerful. We're not. Matter of fact, if he wanted to just start all over again, he could just erase us all and start all over again like he's done before. But yet, it's almost like God is saying, you know what? I have this authority. I have this power. I have this privilege. Matter of fact, everything revolves around me. And I can choose right now to do whatever I want with you, but I choose not to exercise my anger towards you. To me, I think when anyone of power reads that, they should get how to be compassionate to anyone they have authority over. 
that if the God of the universe, the God of all creation, the God that was, that is, that will always be, the God that holds everything by the, together by the word of his power, chooses to withhold his authority when he has every right to exercise his authority against someone who's been rebellious toward them, how then should I, someone who's been given delegated power on the job, in the church, in my home, should respond to those who are under my authority. You, you see the balance, the healthy balance that gets you to that place to say, you know what? I need to remember what he has done for me. But then he goes on in verse 10, he says, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us, rewarded sounds strange, rewarded us according to our iniquities, which is sins as well. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his, his loving kindness towards us or towards those who fear him. Now listen to verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Some of you know geography. There's a north and what? South Pole. It is so wise by God that he didn't say that he throws our sins as far as the north and south. Because the north has an end, the south has an end. But God says, I throw your sins as far as the east as the west because when he throws them towards the east, the east goes and it goes and it goes. There's no end to the east. There's no end to the west. So he says to you and I that when he lets it go for you and me, he lets it go forever. Here's a big idea I want you to get, if you would. When we remember, then we'll never forget to let it go. When we remember what he has done for us, when you're up against every situation, pause long enough and remember. Just pump your brakes for a minute, go be with God, and just remember what he's done for you. It would give you the courage to let it go right away. But those moments, right, we've all been there. The moments that we're in that moment, we're like deep in trend. Well, no, it's painful. You hurt me. You did this. And we just drill down in what is happening in front of us, right? And we can't let it go. But if we take ourselves out of it, Look towards the cross and remember. Then it strengthens us to let it go. Let me support this with this final passage of Scripture. Luke chapter uh, 17, verse 1 through 5. Luke 17, 1 through 5. And interesting enough, this passage is, is connected to Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> it says, He said to his disciples, this is Jesus, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea and that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And don't just stop there. Okay, Rebuke him, and if he repents, 
do what? Forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day, and he returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me he or she sins against me seven times in one day? Not even talking about seven times in one lifetime. But you're talking about seven times in one day? I got to let it go? Now, again, please underscore, I'm not talking about stupidity, right? I'm not saying, okay, someone hurts you, then you're okay, keep hurting me, keep hurting me. No, you run for the hills, okay? I'm not saying that. All right? So, <laughs> for the record, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not advocating abuse or anything like that, please. You know, but, but you're not, hopefully you understand what I'm saying. If you have an offense towards someone and someone offends you, 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 I didn't say it, but he said seven times in one day. Multiply that times 365 days times 70 years. I don't, I don't know if anybody can calculate that real quick, but, but you, you, I mean, that is the magnitude of forgiveness that God is saying. Now, it gets super better. So listen to verse number five. Now, hear the magnitude is like, <gasps> then verse five, the apostle said to the Lord, please increase my faith. <laughs> it's like, you're telling me to do what? <laughs> I mean, I could just hear him say, oh, wait a minute, God. Wait a minute, Jesus. Do what? Hold up. You don't know my cousin. You know my wife. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know. I could just, you know, just their imagination. Seven times in one day. You ask me? That is an insurmountable task. But listen to what it says. This is so like God because remember the mountains, it says, if you have a faith as grain of a mustard seed. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, to, said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you will say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted, be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. There's mulberry bushes that we've just been going around a mulberry bush, mulberry bush, you know? <laughs> that we could simply say, get up, move. There's issues of forgiveness that are like mountains to us. That if we just humble ourselves and say, God, give me the faith, just help me. Just help me deal with this. Just help me to obey you with this. Just help me, just help me to do what you've asked me to do. You can say to that issue, it's gone. It's gone in my lifetime. It's gone in my children's life. It's gone in my children's children's life. It's gone completely. It's gone. It's gone. But I believe there's three things you find in there. You got to go deal with him or her. You got to go deal with it. You can't just let it keep going on and going on and going on. You got to go deal with him or her, whoever the him 
or her is. And listen, some of you may have to deal with hims and hers that aren't alive anymore. But like I was sharing um, earlier with a, a, a sister um, and I shared early in the service, I said, can you see their face right now? Sure you can. My parents, my mother, father are with the Lord right now with my eyes open and it's God. I can see my dad's face. I can see my mom's face. There's times I can smell my dad's cologne. You ever been there? It's like, just smells. It's like, man, that's dad. That's, that's mom. You know, I believe that God gives us the access to let it go. It can either, it can either help you or torment you. You see faces and faces and, and it will torment you to your grave unless you humble yourself and say, you know what, God, I got to deal with this. I got to deal with this. I got to go back and go deal with this relationship. Now, a great counsel that I've heard was this, is that, listen, if the person is not alive, write it out. Talk to them. Sit an empty chair in front of you. Have a conversation with them. See them there. See them there and deal with it once and for all. Burn the letter, you know, burn the letter, let it go once and for all. That you know what? I've had this conversation. I want to ask my mom, dad, I just want to let you know that what you did hurt me. And I've been carrying around, I've been carrying it around too long. That hurt is not hurting my children, it's hurting my marriage. What, fill in the blanks for your life. But then don't leave the conversation until you say, but I ask you to forgive me. Because the way I've thought of you, viewed you, talked about you, felt about you, has been wrong. Forgive me. If that person is alive, you have to go and talk to them. If you can't reach them, you know, by phone, I mean, by face-to-face, call them. If they're the type of person that you feel you can't talk to, write them. But include those things. Include, you know what? Itemize, itemize, itemize. Deal with it. Don't be general. Deal with the specifics. If you go to see a doctor, right, they deal with the specific pain exactly where it's located. The same thing you got to do with forgiveness. You have to simply say, okay, God, show me exactly where this is, the hurt is. And what you find is this. Sometimes you got to go back to the physician. Once you do it, you may be in prayer again one day, and the Spirit of God says, oh, you know what? You need to also deal with this with them. Then go back again until you're the, the debt is clear. Clear the debt once and for all. If there's people that you need to ask for forgiveness, well, go to them. Go and listen. 
come to my attention that I need to ask your forgiveness, you know? It's better to do that than not do it, right? It's better to do it and you realize the person said, oh, I didn't, no, you didn't offend me. Then you walk around with that over your head thinking like, well, well, maybe what I said to them was wrong. Well, maybe what I did, the way I acted, it's better just to go and say, hey, please forgive me. You know, I, the way I came across, the way I did that, that was totally inappropriate. You know, I didn't, and, and just keep it clean. Keep it clean. Deal with it. Go to them and then let it go. Listen, this word rebuke here in this verse, <laughs> it means to reprove, admonish. But that's where we stop normally. But it says, but also show honor. When you go talk to someone, you never go and rebuke them and rebuke them. It's never going to get you anywhere. You go with honor. You go with integrity. You go and deal with people how you would like to be respectfully communicated if you offended them. That's what this means. You go and deal with it, but you deal with it with respect. You deal with it with honor. Because you know what? I've learned over the years, one day you're going to be on the other side of the table. This word forgive means to omit, give up the debt, to let be, and guess what? To let go. Today, we're going to end with this. We want to give you the opportunity to increase your faith. In other words, okay, God, I hear what you're telling me to do, but this mulberry bush, this mountain that's in front of me, it's been there for so long, and the roots are deep. The pain is deep, and I don't know how I can do this. You don't understand, and I will tell you, I don't understand because I'm not you. But God understands. You have to go to him and ask for help. You have to. You have to humble yourself to go to ask for help. You have to realize that, you know what? I don't have the capacity. I just don't have the capacity. But you do. As the worship team comes and as we pray, just allow the Lord to speak to your hearts. And there may be someone today who says, hey, pastor, I, I really don't have the capacity because... I have yet to put my faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I just, I don't have his power to even start this process. I always tell people that, you know, it is as simple as the wedding vows. In other words, you can take three minutes to say your vows, but you're married for a lifetime. And the same thing is true when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It only takes you a few minutes but if you are with him, he is with you for a lifetime and beyond. So if you want to pray with me to acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and to put your faith and trust in him who will empower you to do everything we've talked about today, just repeat after me and just say, Lord Jesus, I understand today that I've sinned against you. 
I've chosen to live a life that is contrary to you. Jesus, I ask that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would just empower me and strengthen me, God, to let it go once and for all. Jesus, I understand that you've given me this privilege through your finished work. Wipe my slate clean, my sins clean. And today, Jesus, I realize that you came to die for me. You were buried for me. You rose again from the grave for me. Jesus, please come into my heart, my life, to live forever. I acknowledge you as my Lord and my Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name. And as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, the prayer walls are up front here, and what we've been just I've been encouraging everyone to do is just come up and write that request, write that area of forgiveness or need on the wall and just leave it there and just believe that, you know, I'm giving it to God once and for all. I ask you to come to the altar if you want to lay it at the altar and just lay it at God's feet. Whatever area of forgiveness, whatever you need to let go once and for all, whoever you need to let go once and for all, as the worship team starts to sing, I just invite you to come up front. Um, Andrew and um, Evie, can you come up front, please, to be available to pray? Joyce, um, um, else, uh, Ray, can you come up, please, brother, pray? Tony? And uh, Shamina, if you come up. If you can just, this is what I want to encourage everyone, and I have been encouraging everyone. Please don't leave until the Lord just allows you to release whatever you need to get uh, to release once and for all. Again, you can physically come and place it on the, the walls. You can come and, and have someone pray for you specifically. And we're going to sing through this song a few times, and then we're to be dismissed. And when I come back up, but then. Those who are up front will remain up here to continue to pray for you. So can we stand to our feet, please? Thank you for listening to Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church. If you would like to learn more about Jesus Christ, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org forward slash start. This website will walk you through having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you would like to support God's Word through this ministry, please visit our website at www.commitmentchurch.org. Lastly, if you or your family are in the South Jersey or Philly metro area, please visit us at Commitment Community Church.